Welcome to the second part of this Gossip Protocol podcast about interviewing. If you haven't listened to the first part, kudos for defining your own timeline. Here, we'll rewind to the start of the discussion that we left off in the first part, and then we'll move on to how to hire for potential, hiring for the unknown, we'll provide some candidate tips, and finally, we'll talk about what happens when interviews go wrong. Enjoy. So that game... How do we ensure that we don't over-optimize? Because you also want to ensure that you're recruiting people that are going to challenge what you do and make it better and make sure that everything gets perturbed a little bit and then you get to settle in a new higher state of consciousness as it were um <laughs> uh, yeah how do we do that because you know that's another thing i worry about because i sit in an interview interviewing someone and i'm looking for someone who thinks the way i would think who solves a problem in the same way i do i hope that i am generous in the way that i do that in terms of understanding how someone else thinks and that they think differently but still i worry that i am optimizing for myself and therefore i can't improve at that point I think one of the ways to guard against that is to have as many people interact with that candidate as possible. Um, and that's something that, you know, I ended up uh, interviewing for Travelnest, there were four, at least four different people that I interfaced with through the whole process. And I think part of that is one way to defend against that because in theory, it's a virtuous cycle that you've hired people who operate similarly, but maybe slightly differently. So if you have N, uh, a lot of them looking at one candidate then you'll get some different takes and different opinions on that one candidate and that's one way to guard against the concern that you're just hiring somebody that is like you or thinks like you. But to pick up on your point of how do we make sure that we are bringing people into the team that is going to challenge, <laughs> that potentially is going to you know, help us all improve. I think there's a couple of ways of, of thinking about it. Um, not that I completely um, know much about this model or agree with it in, in particular, but Amazon, for example, they coined the phrase of bar raising. I don't know if you've all heard of that. Um, so it was about raising the bar and they, they went through a recruitment process of bringing in people where they had specific people in the company that were bar raisers. So those people in, interviewed candidates and were that sort of really high level of fit and culture and making sure that they were safeguarding the culture and the, the premise was you bring people in who are better than yourself and who are going to better the people around them, right? So I think there's something good about that mm -hmm. and there's, there's some interesting things that I've read on that in the past. Um, my personal philosophy is, and I think this is why I get so excited about people like Marta who's come through the Code Clan route, is I believe in hiring for potential. I think interviews in themselves can be really difficult because you don't always get to see how great people are, regardless of how good your process is. But I think if you can identify and spot that potential in people, do they have the potential to be great leaders? Do they have the potential to be great developers, great problem solvers? Whatever the thing is that you're looking for, then if you've got a great team, in theory you should be able to coach and develop and build people into the, the types of characters that you want to have around. Um, so yeah, that's just one perspective that I have, but again, I, I, I'm not sure that anyone really has cracked it. 
yeah so how do we hire for potential then because that's because I totally agree again um, so there are interviews that I have been in where I've been the interviewer and I have not agreed with the interviewee but I still wanted to hire that interviewee because I knew that the reasons they were giving me were valid reasons and there was no point in getting to the nitty-gritty about why I thought a different way because the rest of the interview showed that we could have that conversation and it would be a useful conversation. But that's sort of, that's just the way that I work normally. And I think that's the way most of our interviews work anyway. Um, but hiring for potential, if you're a candidate and someone says we're hiring for potential, how do you prepare for that? What, what do you do to... I don't, in a, in a really cheesy way, <laughs> it's kind of like, well, it, it's, it's that thing, like, right, the X factor, that connection. And it's like, well, you, the point of potential is you don't prepare because you've either got it or you don't. I mean, like, it's everything that you've done in your life has prepared you, right? So, you know, it's kind of like you go in there, you get given a situation, you make the best of it. Like, I don't know, like with my interview process with Travel Nest, there wasn't much I could prepare because I was kind of like, you know, everything that they might ask me is so above me that it's just kind of, I can't really prepare for it. And um, I just came into it with the attitude of all I can do is show my best sort of problem solving abilities. And, you know, I'm confident with my code. I know why I do what I do. And if I talk through that, then that's that's the best I can do. Mm -hmm. And And that, you know, luckily showed potential and and that's how it worked and i think i think that is a good process so like uh, f from being an interviewer kind of in this kind of process being inter interviewing graduates coming in completely fresh from university who are uh, coming into software for example from complete side different degrees and stuff like that like coming from history or from physics and all this kind of stuff have no background in certain software but they are coming into it completely fresh. And in that kind of regard, you are hiring on this kind of X factor, as Mark put it, um, because you're talking through these situations, they are problem solving and all that kind of stuff. And that's all you have to go on at that point. Like they might not even begin to grasp like the most simplest of concepts in software engineering and all that kind of thing, but they've proven that they can talk their way through a, uh, through a situation. It isn't like they're stepping through things, one, two, three, here's an answer. It's, I'm going to, wriggle down this path, figure out what's kind of going on here. Oh, I'm going off the wrong path. Okay, I'll ask some more questions and kind of meander around until we come down to a conclusion and we're having a conversation around it. That's the kind of situations that I found myself in the past, like being an interviewer, that's the kind of thing I look for to kind of see, oh, they're actually building on this kind of thing. It isn't just like, I've solved an, solved an exam question. Yes, I am done. Congratulations. I have interviewed. It is a meandering path and you're building upon this process. I think this comes back to where we were talking about if if you're asked in an interview, how do you, how does this algorithm work? And you don't know the answer right then. That's a very fixed point in time. What am I able to do right now in this one hour meeting that we've got right now? I think when you're hiring for potential, it's really useful to try and identify is somebody moving in the right direction? So as opposed to what is their exact state right now? Have they had 10 years in industry? Well, no. Are they interested in doing tutorials? Are they reading about things? Are they you know, are are they making steps even that that make that make it seem like they're going to to be a good developer one day? That that sort of thing. If you can identify that, 
I think that's more important than where are you right now. And yeah, I, I agree again. Um, and I think you can actually tell that when you're speaking to someone. So again, you get these websites that say you have to prepare by saying, I have read this blog, I have, you know, th- what's the answer to what you do outside of work? Oh, well, I sit <laughs> on a computer every single second because I love it. And, you know, you can tell when people mean that and when they don't, not because of that answer, but because of the way that they have answered other things. And that's what I really, I dislike interviewing and I really like it as well because I dislike it when I have to say, no, I don't, I, this person can't fit in the team. But I like it when you meet the person that you can have a conversation with and you know that they're going to bring something new to that conversation. Even in the interview that you have done 10 different times, you know that this person, there is so much more. If you could sit down with them for another hour or two after the interview, you'd actually get more out of it. And that's where I see the potential. I don't know how to quantify that though. And it's a difficult thing to describe in the wash-ups and you need other people to have felt the same thing in the interview. So it's interesting because I, one of the jobs I was uh, worked in in the past was um, the CEO was an ex-firearms officer and obviously being in the police force, the interview process is amazingly rigorous and everything has to be evidence-based. And then um, my colleague and I took him through the engineering interview and he was like, okay, where are your questions and answers? You know, how are we going to score this person? How is it going to... And it took ages to persuade him that we can't do it, that it has to be a conversation. It has to be, this is a... There aren't fixed answers to these. It's a creative thing that, that you take them through. But how does fairness come into that? So, yeah, I think for me, I, I really liken it to the reality of the situation. So our industry, how many people do you know in this industry who are the finished article, mm-hmm. right? We're an industry of lifelong learners. That is the reality. It's not the same as what you'll see elsewhere. Um, so there'll be tons of people who are super experienced or who are masters of their craft in one thing. And yet, boom, there's a new language tomorrow and everyone's starting again. So like, that's the exciting thing, right? So I think if you can find there is qualities in people that you can definitely look for. So I would say something like lifelong learners, people who are passionate about developing themselves and really you know, keen to learn and develop and grow. And I think we definitely look for an element of people who are maybe humble or, or show humility or who are you know, really collaborative and want to work in those styles of teams. So I think we can break it down, it's tough, um, but yeah, I think there's definitely stuff you can do to assess against those qualities that you're looking for. Um, but yeah, fairness is a tricky one, so I'll let Max jump in before we get into that. No, I was just going to jump onto the, the conversations about lifelong learners uh, and not being able to um, pin down exact questions and answers as to what Ratna mentioned is that I just want to mention something around you see in like job advertisements in IT and you see so much of, okay, I must do Java and Hibernate and Spring or similar. And you see or similar across the board for everything because it's very transferable, but you see that these very specific niche things like must have 10 years experience in uh, JUnit or something like particular that you need to be able to nail this thing or, or something similar. And it just seems like really strange references. One of the funniest things you'll see is sort of meme posts about these types of job interviews must have 25 years experience in a five-year-old framework. (laughs) These things where it's just so obviously sort of auto-generated 
soup of words that just are quite meaningless, really. Um, but I think they actually have um, some quite negative impacts. In fact, one, one of the sessions we've had in this building about unconscious biases um, covers that. Absolutely. You know, I'm come out of, of Code Clan. It's a 16-week uh, programming boot camp, and you get taught three languages, right? We do we do Ruby, Java, JavaScript, and they, you know, they're, they're trying to get us a job or help us sort of find our way in the market. And all the job listings list 50 technologies, you know, most of which we haven't even heard of. And if you're trying to hire for potential, what is that list doing there? Like at least say, okay, we work in X, Y, Z. So then, you know, if you do know them, that's great. You can make a connection over that. But I think it's, yeah, I, I, I believe, but obviously that's what I think. But um, that if, you, if you've got the, the learning mindset, it, you know, it, it doesn't take that long to pick something new up. Or it shouldn't. Um, and how long has it taken you to pick up Python? <laughs> well, I've been mostly working with, with uh, JavaScript, but it's been Redux, which is a completely different way of, of doing it than what I did CodeClan. So yeah, like within two weeks, I deployed something. So you know, I think I think as long as you've got a supportive team, especially if you're coming at it super new, you're um, you're you're going to be able to pick it up. And I think to take that back to the point about trying to mirror the culture of the interview and the culture of the company. Um, the whiteboarding exercise we did, in fact, Max was one of my interviewers, so I don't know if he has any insider tidbits that he'd like to share, but no certainly, <laughs> certainly, well, I'm, I'm in the building, so, you know, um, certainly that uh, environment was a very collaborative one. It was, here's this challenge, here's a problem that we as a company want to solve, can you try and design a solution but have a two-way dialogue with us as we're going through it talk to us uh, speak aloud you know th think aloud tell us what the problems are and I found that really useful because it's how again we actually work day to day we're, we're collaboratively designing solutions to these problems that we have and one of the things with with that question or one of the reasons we use that question and use it a lot um, and other questions like it is because you can give it to people at many different levels and still get something out of it. So Ma was coming in fresh and she got exactly the same question as you said, Jamie. And it, you still get a lot of useful information out of it because it is about guiding people through that process of how do you think about something, what would be your solution and having that conversation. I think one thing that's just popped into my head is some stuff that I've seen in the past on just this industry as a whole. I mean, I think the reality is, you know, these businesses and software and, and what's happening in the tech community, these teams are, are solving problems that the world has just never seen before. We've never seen this sort of data. We've never seen this sort of human behavior in terms of what's going on. So the, the sort of skills that you need to actually do this stuff is so new. Um, so for me, I, I do think that's why it's so difficult to define mm. because maybe where in the past, many years ago, you had a defined job role, a defined job description, a defined interview process, and you were looking for certain outcomes. I don't think that's always the easiest thing to do within the software industry. I think you can look for a profile of a software engineer who's going to build a thing, 
But if you guys think about just what's happened in our team in the last few weeks, we've just changed our teams. You know, you're not working on the same problem you were working on a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, even if I had hired you for a team to do a thing, it's probably going to change. Um, so just being mindful of that. And I think that's where really having a more almost abstract view of how you're thinking about the problem and how you solve the problem and how you question these candidates becomes more important because it's you're no longer hiring for very defined jobs. So you've brought us back to fairness. How do you enjoy, so candidates listening to this are thinking, well, what do I do? You know, how, how do I know that I'm being assessed in a reasonable way against everyone else that's there? Where, where does fairness come into this where you can't easily describe, you know, you can't, is it not set chick, chick boxes, check boxes, boxes that we look for? Um, I think there's two parts to that. We'll talk about fairness, which I think we should do in a minute. But I think whenever I give anyone any sort of advice, and, and I actually worked at Code Clan for a spell, not that we're trying to promote Code Clan. <laughs> um, you know, I did quite a bit of training with a lot of the students there on interviewing techniques and how to present an interview. And the one word that I used all the time was authenticity. I think it's really important to try and relax and to try and be authentic and to try and think about how you would be in the team. So who are you? How do you approach problems? How do you think? What's your normal personality at work? If you can show who you are and really try and connect with the people in the room on a personal level, I think that in itself makes the interview more enjoyable for everyone, regardless of what that process is. So that would be my sort of tip for mm -hmm. anyone who's thinking about any sort of interview. Because the reality is human beings connect on a personal level. So it's how do you, you know, you wouldn't go into a business meeting and be really, really, you know, nervous and sturdy and not ask how are you or did you have a nice day or, you know, any of these things that in an interview situation just becomes alien because you're so nervous and it's mm -hmm. the most unnatural thing in the world. Um, so yeah, I think try and be a little bit more human. I know that sounds weird, but be yeah. a human. Um, and then from a fairness point of view, I think there's a lot of things that you have to do as a team to build a robust assessment process. Do you want to talk about that in detail? I, I, I don't think we've got time to go into the uh, uh, to a rigorous assessment process in this podcast. If anyone's interested, let us know and we'll do another <laughs> podcast. Um, I think that's part of the difficulty of interviewing. Because one of the problems that we do have is coming up with questions. And that's because the questions, we want people to be able to show this, a similar set of skills in each of the questions that, that we give, because that's only fair, but also because that's what we're looking for. You know, we're looking for a, a set of skills, so we want people to be able to demonstrate them. I think if we were to do some quick takeaways, it would be things like Max says, you know, making sure that there is a consistency in the questioning, making sure that there is multiple touch points with different people across the team, mm -hmm. making sure that the the final decision making process is as where possible, removing as much bias as there, you know, humanly can be. Um, and then really just having a really retrospective view on your process. So, you know, constantly iterating and thinking about, is this working? Are we getting the right people? 
candidate feedback. So think about the candidate experience. Um, I feel really lucky in the sense that the process that we have at the minute, most candidates are telling me they're having a really good time. So they're enjoying coming in, they're enjoying meeting our team, we get some really nice comments. But if that was to change, that would be a good gauge for me mm-hmm. as to how that was going. Um, so yeah, just a few quick thoughts there, but there's there's obviously a lot of thought goes into these things. Yeah. Not to um, <clears throat> preemptively toot my own horn, but um, I think <laughs> I've just uh, invented the perfect interviewing system. If you guys are interested, it's yeah, super simple, fire right? Go for it, Mark. So what we do is we take the key things that we want to find out about each person, right? So like the X factor and the can they problem solve and lifelong learner, X, Y, Z. And uh, we give the candidate the option of how do you want to be assessed? And then it's just down to the interviewer (laughs) to find a way to assess the same thing in 10 different ways. So (laughs) just interestingly, our homework exercise, we have changed recently because we had a homework exercise where we would pass that out to people and say, we want you to solve this exercise, because we knew that it would, it answers, the solutions we get in answers the questions that we need in terms of, should we take this person to the next level? And it gives us a good intro. But recently we've changed that because we realized that some people might not have time to do the interview, uh, to do the homework exercise, um, some people might have aptitude in potentially another area. So we've now given people a choice of either you do the homework exercise or you give us a bit of code that you've written previously. Um, and what we're thinking of doing in the future is giving people a choice of homework exercises as well. So you have a number of exercises to choose from. And there is no, we don't read anything into which exercise you choose which is going to be hard to convince people that's the case, but we don't read anything into what you choose. So we're trying to do that, but it's hard to do that in the interview situation. Absolutely, because I think it's, it's, there's fairness in sort of two levels, right? There's fairness of, are we comparing these candidates equally, like one to another? Like, are, are they all getting the same sort of chance to shine? But also fairness into like, are we excluding any group of, of potential applicants or candidates because of the type of test. Whole day assessment center, if you're a parent and can't get childcare, you can't do that. Like, you know, you're, you're just putting blockers in people's ways. So like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool that um, we're even opening up that, uh, we're opening that up a bit more um, with more options. But yeah, I think that's the thing, like, um, it's potentially a slightly biased opinion, but I think that the onus is on the interviewer to do the hard work to, to make sure that the candidate finds it easier. To, to be, you know, relaxed and to feel comfortable and to really present their best side, right? So I, I think it was interesting that we started talking about candidate tips, and I think this leads us quite nicely into that. If people don't mind discussing that for a little bit, um, and one of the things that I think I don't know if it would help put candidates at ease, and I don't know if it would have helped me when I started interviewing um, to now a number of years later. But to understand that as a candidate, you have power as well. That you are in the interview to find things out. You're not there just to go in and show the best of yourself. You're obviously there to do that. But you're there to understand whether you'll fit. So you should be assessing the interviewers as well. The interviewers should be people that you want to work with. People that you can get on with. People that you're not afraid of people that you can have a conversation with, you know, all these things. So basically take some of the power back 
And if you're not getting this in an interview, it's really easy to say when you're in a job. If you're not getting this in an interview, don't accept the job or don't accept that. But I feel in some ways that's the only way to change the way interviews are done. I liken it back to what I was saying earlier about just trying to be a little bit more natural and authentic because if you went to meet a friend in the pub, you wouldn't sit there the whole time letting them question you, right? Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street, it's a two-way conversation. You would have a conversation. Um, And I think that's the the dynamic that happens in interviews. It becomes more of an interrogation and that's what people are afraid of. So if you can try and address that balance straight away Mm -hmm. by building a rapport and trying to just have a conversation, I think that helps people shine more. So what I'm hearing from this is do the interviews in the pub. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. I'm glad to hear that. Though, I mean, in a way, like, the sort of feeling of, of, yeah, like, feeling like you're comfortable with them is definitely, like... For example, one of the parts of not my interview process, but part of the sort of onboarding thing was going to lunch with what was going to be my team. That was like, you know, even though I'd already accepted the job, it was one of the biggest deciders that was like, yeah, okay, I feel good. Like, I felt really comfortable. I felt like I could talk to them. And it's so telling, you know. And Jamie, you had dinner with someone before (laughs) your interview. Sorry, I'm just prompting things here. (laughs) So, yeah, Kim reached out to me, and uh, I, I know a few people who know Kim and a few people who work work here, and so I, I went and did a bit of sort of reconnaissance and some fact-finding of, of my own before I, you know, formally applied for the job. And I think where possible, you know, obviously you're, you're not always going to know people that know people that work in the company, but it, it's like you say, Rana, it very much is a two-way street, and it's an opportunity... Um, you should feel empowered um, in these situations to really try and get as much information you know, about the company and about all the people that work there as you can because, as we've said, it's not just people asking you questions. You should be trying to find out. It's your only interface, really, to, to getting a sense of what the company is like before potentially there's a job offer that you have to react to. And just to add to that, if we are really thinking about tips, one of the the best things I've seen candidates do over the years that always works in interviews is speaking to the interviewer on a one-to-one personal level so not just in the company guys but trying to understand more about them and their job and what's their passions and what led you here and you know why do you find it interesting the problem that you're solving because ultimately they're human beings as well right so they're interviewers or they're managers or whoever they are and um, but I think you forget that in an interview situation because it's such an uncomfortable environment and it's so unnatural that you forget you're talking to someone who's normal um, so I, I, I but then whenever in really good interviews that happens there's a rapport that happens naturally and the person's curious about the person as well not just the company um, so that's something that I would definitely try and encourage people to think about when they're going into an interview situation okay anyone else got any tips as I was, a candidate I, I was going to lead it into a, a secondary question yeah, on this, go for it. which is as an interviewee or as an interviewer what's the best answer you've heard to the do you have any questions for us question at the end of the interview nice oh go on Kim I've got a great one um, uh, I've said this to so many people cause it's, so if anyone listens to this they'll have heard it before um, the best one that I ever heard was the candidate said what do you wish you had known before you joined 
And I just thought that was such a revealing question for the interviewer because it made them reflect on their own experience. And I think if you're really trying to understand if a team's the right fit for you, hearing their own personal journey was really important and it really did work. Um, so yeah, for me, that was just such a thoughtful question because it wasn't a boring question about what's the pension like or you know <laughs> something that was dead corporate it was really meaningful to the person and it made them feel a connection with them because it thought they care about me and my experience and what I went through mm. well it's similar with me so obviously if you want to game the travel nest infuse that I'm in this is what you need to ask <laughs> I, I, I like it when people ask about the team and how the team function and how the team work because it, it shows that they have an interest in more than just their own solving of, of a, a problem on a day-to-day -day basis. I think, um, yeah, just to reiterate what Kim said, because I think um, when you find out about the interviewers, I think that's, as, a, as a, I've never interviewed, but as an interviewee, that's always been the best, like, the best thing I've taken out of that interview. Like, of course, we might have gelled better or worse, but like knowing what brought them to the company or what you know brought them to the industry um, or to the role uh, helps you understand the people so much better. Um, at CodeClan we did this thing, this, is, this isn't the CodeClan podcast, but you know, um, where we do a kind of an assessment day thing where there's 10 companies that come in and we have 10 minutes with every company and it's super intense and you just go from one to the other. And um, yeah, it's like really hard to try and get that feedback it's like quite hard to know what the purpose of it is aside from introducing you like mm -hmm. that's that's basically as much as as you get done but yeah that was like the one thing that although that process was really helpful the one thing that i found was like i know nothing about these companies they've given me the elevator pitch and then started asking me questions and yeah like i think is is important is really important to keep that two-way street I, th I think like, as a side comment to this piece which I keep doing during this conversation <laughs> is um, that it is like an interview process is a really really alien thing yes. like um, Mara is talking about doing elevator pitch for here and elevator pitch for yourself and they're telling you about this really quick snippet of a thing and you talk through all this kind of stuff and whether you like it or not like an interview is what an hour or two or something like that of a snippet of a small portion of your life and the interviewer's life and the company's life and it is such a small condensed chunk that it is so difficult to kind of understand from both sides whether you yeah. think it's a good idea or not and like trying to condense that into any sort of meaningful shape is, is difficult and, it, and it's and it is like Matt said earlier there's a lot of emphasis on the interviewer to make mm. that into a reasonable shape, like a template of a, of a conversation, so to say, to kind of bring out more than just that small slice of life. Yeah. Can I do a, a really quick shout out to my most hated interview question? Yeah, go for it. Uh, tell us about yourself. Oh, I just, it just never sits right. What do I do? What do I talk about? Do I talk about what I get up to on the weekends? Do I talk about why I like your company or the code or everything? Like such a hard thing to answer you know I think that tell us about yourself is something that they should be able to answer by the end of the interview by having gotten to know you through like different exercises and and, and, and broader questions or, or narrower questions rather I just think that like starting an interview with tell us about yourself 
instantly, like even if I was comfortable and chill going into the interview, it puts me on edge because I'm like, a human, I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I find that one really difficult. Yeah, no, that, that would be a difficult one. You need to give the candidate something to hang on to throughout every part of the process a anchor in the world and something that gives them um, something to talk about and uh, relate to. Maybe uh, one more candidate tip is that a really good thing to do is say when you don't know the answer to something. If somebody yeah. asks you a question and you don't know the answer to it, that's a good thing because you would never want to get into an, into an environment where you, you, know, you have a job and you've said you're great at something or you know, blagged your way through it mm -hmm. only to find that you really can't do it and you need a lot more support. I think it's a, very, it's a very useful thing to be able to go, I don't know anything about that, tell me about it, I'm keen to learn about it. I think actually exactly what you said is not just, I don't know anything about it, it's following that up with, but let me, like, tell me, please. Um. So as an interviewer, I, I love it when people say they don't know because it means that you can, it's information that you can build on but also you can start a conversation from it and you can say well how do you think it might work how do you think you could we did this a lot with you Mark yeah. in, in yours mm -hmm. and the answers that, that came out were really good and the answers from good people are, are good and you get to see this is one of the ways you get to see what they actually understand about what they do and what they understand about the environment they're in and, and things like that because they you then have to make the pattern matching thing which is what we do on a daily basis as software engineers i think it also helps you screen potential sufferers from the dunning-kruger effect where they and um, people who suffer from dunning it's not a disease or anything but if, <laughs> if dunning-kruger is basically the premise that people who think they are much better at something than they are mm -hmm. and the people that are better at the thing are much more aware of the gap there is between their knowledge and and master mastering that skill. So I think you can also get a sense of how people fit along that sort of line when you ask when if, if they don't if they claim to know everything. If, mm -hmm. if if you can ask them about a range of all sorts of topics, even ones that they maybe have never mentioned yet and they still claim to know everything about that topic, then I think that can be an indicator that maybe you've got somebody who falls foul of, of that Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, cool. The only other topic I was going to touch on at some point was worst interview situations that you've been in. Yeah. And I have entirely panned a single one of my interviews and that was at one of Ratner's previous companies. <laughs> NCR. NCR, um, which I fell flat on my face. It was, it was just delightful. How did that make you feel? We back in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, how do I feel? Um, it was a quite a grounding situation, um, but it was also I don't know what the right term is for it. It it was I wasn't entirely sold on the company, and I took it as a kind of twist of fate that it was like, <laughs> okay, you you sucked at that because you weren't invested. <laughs> it was was the way I sold it to myself. Um, but yeah, it was very much a moment of just like, yeah, you, you've really screwed this one. Yeah. This has not gone well for you, Max. I think something for the can potential candidates listening is, I mean, that happens, right? So yeah. there, there are other job interviews. There will be other jobs. I think an individual performance, hopefully what you've got from what we've talked about here is that 
an interview is such a small snippet of a, a look at somebody and if there isn't a connection there between the company and the candidate sometimes that's just the way it is and the next one will be better yeah and I, I agree with what Max is saying in terms of how you take that so you can either just load it all on yourself and hate yourself forever which is not useful or you can take it the way that Jamie's saying it, and as Max did take it, that it just didn't work. It didn't gel. It might have been just that minute that it didn't gel, or just that hour, and it might have gelled at a different time, but it didn't gel. Yeah. So it didn't gel, don't work there. And, and like, like you said, at that moment in time, like you walk away like, I am the stupidest human being. Like I couldn't have done two plus two on that day. Mm. Like It was like that kind of terrible. Um, but it is just in that moment uh, and I actually have a very good story around that which is previously um, at one of my old companies um, when I was interviewing uh, we were doing an assessment day and one of the um, potential um, candidates one of the interviewees uh, during that process um, I'd been speaking to one of the um, people in recruitment and they're like oh this is this is so and so and uh, he's actually a returning interviewee so he'd been the previous year and he was entirely nervous out of his life. He absolutely panned it. Uh, and the basis was they liked him as a person, but he was obviously entirely nervous and couldn't portray his best self in terms of things. And uh, he went away and spent a year doing some other stuff. I think he built a website for his family's like holiday home or something like that. And he then came back and spoke to the company again and said, I'd like to interview again. And he came back through and he got the job, which is fantastic. But it is just like, on that day, it wasn't his day. But he came back for it and he, and, he, and he rocked it, it was great. And I think that's a good point. We have in the past, if we feel a candidate has not given their best because they've just seemed too nervous and we feel there was a, there's a reason to get them back in, you know, there was something there, then we have asked them, if they want to, to come back in um, on a different day and, you know, we'll do the, you know, go through the same process. And I think, as a candidate, I don't know if I'd ever feel strong enough to go to an yeah do it the other way around. Go to an employer and know that you've panned the interview, but know that you really want to work for that person or that place, and then go back and say, "Please give me another go." I suppose I should be strong enough to do that, but it just feels it. It doesn't feel like it's something that I could do. Um, I think that's something that actually is uh, a really interesting thing when like when starting to apply especially from such a from such a junior uh, place you kind of go well okay so do I apply for the jobs that I really want or should I just apply for some like some random jobs that I don't know much about to get practice or you know it's really hard to make that balance and in the end I just thought apply for the jobs that you want because well you know Yes, if you don't get them, that that sucks. But at least you've gone for what you wanted. But it's that thing of like, if I got rejected for the job I really wanted, could I then be like, oh, I've learned more now. Can I please come back and try again? <laughs> you know, it's it's a difficult thing. But I think actually this thing that you're saying about this second chance, it would make so many people at ease to know that ahead of ahead of the interview to be like, hey, this is the interview. Uh, by the way, we operate on a policy that um, if we both feel like the interview didn't go well, but from a situational point of view, not from a connection point of view, um, we can we can offer you a second interview. That would have like put me so at ease to think, cool, 
<laughs> like even just made my first interview better just knowing that I had that little backup no that's that's a really good point and I have actually been in a telephone interview where they have said at the very beginning that you get a second chance on this mm -hmm. so let's do the interview um, but if at the end of it you feel like you haven't done your best then just let us know when we should we'll reschedule the interview that's cool okay well I think we'll raise that with Kim because well, I think that is Actually, a good we'll idea. <laughs> I think we'll put that in the meet meeting minutes for this one. Yeah, yeah that's very good. Totally. Very good. Raise that, Kim. <laughs> We've got one action out of this. Um, cool. Anyone? Anything else? Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Um, how did that feel? So that game. Click, 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 click. So. Click, 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 yeah. click. Nah. That's yeah. Click, click. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion about interviewing. If you have comments, please feel free to leave them on our SoundCloud page or to contact us on Twitter at TravelNestHQ. Bye.